Welcome to Unframed, the podcast which hosts talks and conversations about South African art and artists. I am your host, Anthea Pockroy. Welcome to episode 24 of Unframed. This is the second episode in a series on Unframed called Artists in Isolation, which profiles South African artists during the lockdown period of the COVID-19 pandemic. We are living through unprecedented times where we are needing to find new ways of connecting with each other and the broader art community, of being inspired and of creating more platforms for artists. On today's show, I chat with Chloe Reed about her artistic and curatorial practice. Chloe is an artist from Johannesburg. She is interested in everyday sociology and the relationship between reading, writing, and artistic practice. She holds degrees from the Michaela School of Fine Art and the Glasgow School of Art and was awarded a year-long fellowship at the Glasgow Sculpture Studios in 2018. She has exhibited and curated locally and internationally and produced two collections of very short fiction. In 2019, she established Gallery Gallery in Johannesburg with the aim of developing an embodied framework for artists, curators and writers that foregrounds collaboration and exchange. She is currently pursuing an MA in creative writing at WITS. Enjoy listening to my conversation with Chloe Reed. Hi, Chloe. Hi. Hi, thank you for joining me for this episode of Unframed. Um, I would like to introduce Chloe Reed, who is an artist, curator, and writer based in Johannesburg and has recently founded a project space called Gallery Gallery. But before we continue, I'd like to ask you, for people who don't know you, to introduce yourself to the, our listeners. I'm interested in asking my guests to introduce themselves because I'm really interested in how one claims one's own identity, like what words they use and, and what they prioritize in their kind of introduction. So, yeah, I think that's, a, it, that's an interesting way of approaching this. And in my case... I sort of move through different different positions and occupy multiple different <laughs> subjectivities, I suppose, would be the fancy word for it. Um, and I'm quite interested in moving between different disciplines. So, But um, I am an artist, I think, primarily. And I think just kind of stretch those, stretch that term to include curating and writing. And ideally in my work, try to combine different disciplines. That's, that's probably how I would introduce myself. I'm from Johannesburg, as Anthea has uh, said. And I have studied in, I studied in Cape Town at the Michaela School of Fine Art and then worked as an artist for about five years um, in Johannesburg and then studied again in Glasgow and have in the last year returned to Johannesburg. So also before we begin talking about all the various types of work you are engaged with. Can you tell our listeners where they can see your work? I like my listeners to be able to see what we're referring to when we talk about stuff. So website, Instagram, for yourself and for Gallery Gallery. Sure. I have a website, um, which is chloereed.co.za. And that is for my practice as an artist or my most recent practice as an artist and a writer and also as a curator. So, and that mainly features my video sound and written work and curating. My work in drawing and uh, printmaking uh, is not actually currently available online. 
I'm not really sure where to put that at the moment. Um, <laughs> but uh, working that out. And then uh, in terms of Gallery Gallery, our main sort of channel is Instagram, and that's at gallerygallery.co.za. And then Gallery Gallery operates through the, the gallery. And the Instagram for that is at the gallery, JHB. So yeah, so we are having a Zoom interview um, because we are currently in a national lockdown during this COVID-19 pandemic. So quite a, an interesting time, but also a really good opportunity to connect um, online with artists. So this is one of the interviews I'll be having with specifically with artists as part of a series on Unframed called Artists in Isolation. And so, Chloe, just tell me, how are you doing during this lockdown period and this process of self-isolating? It's, it's a, obviously a very, very strange and quite scary time for everyone. Um, but to be honest, now that I've kind of gotten settled into it, it's not that different to my normal routines. I, I work for myself mostly and I often work from home. So, yeah, I'm used to kind of being self-motivated and, and, and establishing my own kinds of routines. Um, having said that, I, at the beginning of, well, when, this, when, when I started realizing that this lockdown thing was, was going to happen or was likely to happen, I did scramble a bit. And I think for most freelancers and most artists, it's, it's threatening sources of income. Um, and, and that's very much the case for me as well. Yeah, so I had a couple of days freaking out and wondering how I was going to pay my bills and then actually kind of snapped into action. And I've been more productive in the last week than I have probably in, in quite a long time um, and started feeling quite optimistic about being forced to find different ways of doing things and different sort of economies, different creative economies. Yeah, I've, I've actually been producing work for Art Gazette uh, myself and I'm working on a series that's called the Floor Series. Well, it's called Floor Series. It's just a series of paintings of floors. Are you posting process things on Instagram or not really? A couple, yeah. Okay, cool. Everyone go look at Instagram. Okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah, because I've actually, I've been enjoying, I don't often enjoy making art, actually, and I, and I have been enjoying this. So, yeah, I'm finding, and, and I'm doing a lot of writing, and I'm, yeah, it's, it's going okay at the moment. Just kind okay. of, yeah. Good to hear, good to hear. <laughs> so, let, let's begin in exploring, I think, your artistic practice, because that is, you know, when I asked you to introduce yourself, that was your, like, primary point of entry into your work. So, I'd just like you to just generally kind of talk about your practice, your artistic practice a bit more. And I suppose actually maybe separating them isn't really useful because you do find them so intertwined and it's so interdisciplinary. So, maybe it's not useful to separate the artistic practice from the other practices, but you, you tell me. Okay. <laughs> Well, the one actually came in, or the one sort of feeds the other. Uh, it depends, depending on what I'm working on or what, what the project is. But I suppose my practice for the last, I don't know how many years, since 2015, around that time, I moved to Glasgow. And with the intention of kind of turning my practice over, I'd had a practice as as a printmaker and working mainly on paper and operating through a gallery and I'm very much part of the kind of exhibiting scene in South Africa. Um, and I, I'd become kind of a little bit disillusioned with it and or really kind of wanted to look at different ways of working and moving away from an exclusively kind of commercial scene. So I moved to Glasgow, which is very well known for firstly not having a market at all, 
um, and also <laughs> having a low cost of living. So, and a lot of musicians and artists flock to Glasgow for that reason, um, because you, they're the high minimum wage and you can earn enough money in, in part-time in any job to, to support um, your work as an artist. So you're not depending on it for your living anyway. Um, also, it's, it's very well known for artist-run independent spaces that are sustainable um, and have been running for over a decade. So I went over there to try and have a change and from, from what I'd kind of grown up in as an artist and to look at new ways of showing and new ways of living and or operating as an artist. So my practice, I did actually, I didn't really make work for the first year, quite slow anyway, at making anything, doing anything. <laughs> Um, <laughs> really, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Why would you say you're slow? I don't know. I've learned to kind of take it as part of the way I work. I have Is tried that... to speed up. Sometimes it's, it's sort of uh, worked out for me. But yeah, being very slow can be complicated financially because obviously you take too long to make something. Anyway, away from the slow, uh, I started writing and I started making short films and also working with kind of recordings of people talking or, or me reading things or, or whoever I could get really to, to talk to me. Um, <laughs> and creating environments where all of those uh, mediums kind of overlap one another. The way I look at it, I think one of my core interests is in narrative and narrative methodologies. And by that, I mean, I know it's a, a big, two big words, but essentially what I mean is kind of forms of storytelling and how that happens through art forms in film, in writing, um, and through sound. So yeah, I started trying to create these environments where you would experience a very short piece of writing, something that could be read in a space, short enough to be read. Obviously, people's attention spans, particularly in galleries, are limited. So a very, very short piece of writing, either repetitive or short audio pieces, and then film work, and kind of trying to create a narrative through all of those forms overlapping. So you might be listening to something, but watching something that has its own separate narrative. Anyway, so essentially confusing uh, yeah. your experience as a viewer. Uh, so coming in and the viewer actually has to piece together a narrative. So for each person, it's completely different. And I know that sounds confusing. And, and often if you are too obscure or uh, you make things too hard for your viewer, it kind of throws them out. Um, or they throw themselves out. <laughs> leave. Yeah. Um, so when I talk about all these different mediums, I, I generally work with very, very simple ideas, like single movements, um, things that are common to people. I work with kind of everyday subjects, things that people can pick up on very easily, and rhythm. So yeah, I think that's probably the best way I can describe it. Actually, you can experience this to some extent on my website, um, which yes. a very talented conceptual web designer, Rodrigo Nava, it's a beautiful website. It's a really great website. I obviously did my research before um, this interview or this conversation. It's a beautiful website. And I really, yeah, I really enjoyed those, the, the videos, the way that they firstly took up the whole screen and also became, I kept on looking for a, a time bar to see how long it was going to be. And you denied me that and I really liked that action. I don't know if it was on purpose, but it, you have to immerse yourself for as long as you tell us in that experience. Like I can't see how much longer it's going to be or skip forward or whatever. So I quite, I quite like that. I'm not sure if it was on purpose or not. 
<laughs> I'm glad you like it. It's, uh, I'm not sure everyone will. I mean, some of the videos are very short, so you'll see them loop quite quickly. The soap one, which I think is on the landing page, that's never ending. That's hours and hours of soap. So, oh, but wow. actually, if you click the right sort of, it's quite complicated, but if you click the right selection of buttons, uh, you can watch a video while hearing an overlay, overlaid sound piece. Okay. Anyway, but you've got to click a lot of different things. <laughs> okay, so everyone go and explore the website <laughs> much more in depth than I did. Um, no, I mean, it's anyway, uh, websites aren't my strong point. I tend to either make them far too simple or far too complicated. But, yeah. The other thing that I noticed about the website, which is, is very much in line with what you're telling me about um, your interdisciplinary practice and like the blurring of those practices and like under exhibitions, you had exhibitions that you had curated and exhibitions that you had presented as a, a solo artist. You know, most people would define the difference between them, but you didn't. So I, I saw the intention there of not being a separate practice. Sorry, just to your point, what you were just saying now, um, as I said, I'm very slow uh, with everything. So it takes a long time for these things to get out. But essentially, that practice of putting kind of different mediums in a space and not isolating them as you would generally, curatorially, you kind of position each piece so that it has its own space. Um, and potentially, if you have a group show, you have different works that kind of talk to each other to some extent, but they have their own. So this is the opposite of that. And mm. through that process of working in that way, I started thinking about, I wonder if this would work with other people's work. If I combined a series of different works where there are overlaps and actually actively overlap them. So, and it wasn't actually entirely me who recognized this a curator or the director of the gallery at the university that I was, that I was at in Glasgow uh, approached me and said, do you want to put together a show. I never thought of it before. I'd always thought of curating as like this kind of accessory to a side of the art world that I don't really, I'm not that interested in, just kind of the commercial side. Sorry, curators, I've changed my mind about that <laughs> now. <laughs> so it became a kind of extension of my practice, really. That's it's, I'm thinking mm. more about how a viewer or a reader experiences space and sound and experiences the work in the space. Um, so that's kind of how I got into curating. So that, yeah. that's why I combine those things yeah, I'm actually interested. I think I mentioned this to you when I came to visit Gallery Gallery a few months ago. The show that was on at the time was the show that you had assembled by Chloe Reed and Sarah Amy Verity. And, and I remember saying to you, oh, it's interesting that you've used the word assembled by as opposed to curated by. And I, I, I noticed that in most of your, your exhibitions that you have curated, it has said curated by. And I was curious about why this one was different. Why was it assembled by? And what does it mean to assemble an exhibition versus curating an exhibition? Um, yeah, it's interesting that you you particularly picked up on that um, word, <laughs> um, yeah. your history with that word. Um, yes. Great history with that word. Assemblage, I... for those people that don't know. Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anthea runs, well, ran. ran. I think it's morphed into a different kind of a thing now. It's well, a, no, no. It's a, it's a dead thing. <laughs> it's, it's a, a memory. Well, it's a beautiful memory. Oh, thank you. It's a I beautiful memory. I still your your references um, for supplies and all that kind of thing. So to me, it's still alive. Fantastic. It's out of date. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, so assembled by, yeah, I think, I'm not sure. I suppose that that probably came out of, a, yeah, I mean, again, it, that was very much a collaborative exhibition between myself and Sarah Amy Verity, who's also an artist and, and, an, and a master printmaker um, whose practice is kind of very intuitively collaborative and um, which is why I wanted to work with her on that but anyway I think that probably came out of maybe 
not wanting to use the word curated or wanting to use a different word. And also because curated feels like it has, curation feels like it has a kind of a distance to the work. Um, whereas Sarah, Amy and I were both quite involved with that project and the, and the work by all the different artists or all the different practitioners was developing in the space. So it was, our role was a lot more involved um, or we envisioned it as being a lot more involved in just kind of positioning things on the wall in quite a kind of static way that they would stay that way. It's the idea for that, that exhibition. What was the title? Can you just remind us? It's the long title. Um, and the longest I've had every single other show has been one word, literally. It's, she finds not her sum, but her differences. And it's a quote from Hélène Sizou. It's from her famous text. And I've forgotten what the name is now, but, but you'll recognize it. Uh, okay, cool. And uh, I, I'm, I'm generally quite reluctant to kind of quote academic texts in particular but this one just felt like it described broadly what kind of practices we were wanting to include there which were well all focusing on ideas of um well ideas about reading and ideas of kind of plurality yeah i I mean that's kind of using very general terms but looking at collaboration both working with other people and also collaboration kind of within yourself again i feel like i'm going vaguely into obscurity here but um the idea of having multiple selves basically okay (laughs) (laughs) just do it so the idea of having multiple selves and for my own purposes and my research and that has to do with the process of reading how when you read something you your own identity becomes loosened um and again this is my thinking this isn't necessarily how everyone experiences reading but your subjectivity who you are is loosened in a way that it, it can't necessarily be in, in real life, in your body. Um, so you can move through different times and move through different characters. Um, and thinking about the implications of that for identity politics and thinking through collaboration in that way. A big part of that exhibition was, was also to do with narrative and storylines, which is something that, um, sorry, Amy has also worked with. I would say, sum it up, narrative and collaboration. And to go back to that quote, she finds not her sum, but her differences. Just thinking of that title, I suppose a big kind of focus in popular culture and particularly in making art is the individual and thinking about your personal identity as a unique um, and special thing that is not divisible. That exhibition was kind of thinking around, and that title is thinking around, again, like plurality and how you are made up of multiple selves that are constantly changing and thinking about kind of how when you collaborate with someone there's a kind of a blurring that happens and thinking really around again working with and through other people and through different mediums and embracing that kind of um, multiplicity rather than focusing on individuals which is a big a big part of gallery gallery for me is kind of trying to move away from this focus on the individual which is kind of the focus of uh, the art scene in South Africa as I see it. Um, Absolutely. I I mean, that's exactly, I was going to ask you firstly, if you can maybe talk about Gallery Gallery and how it started and uh, the intention behind it. But I definitely, this focus on doing these group shows with with quite a few artists, actually, it's quite, it's quite a lot for such a a tiny space. I mean, it's not a tiny space, sorry, I hope that wasn't an insult. But um, (laughs) um, it's a small, it's it's actually not tiny, I'm going to retract that it's not tiny, it's a small space. And, um, and you work with a lot of artists in it. But I mean, Mm. I mean, your curation is seamless, and, and you don't feel overwhelmed. But 
My question was about your intention. Yeah, also to say that it's so amazing and great to have spaces that are focusing on group shows. There are very, very few group shows that are across gallery representation. You know, you get artists that are represented by other galleries to talk to other artists from different galleries across age, across career status, you know, emerging versus more established artists. So there's a really interesting conversation going on in between these artists that you include. So if you can maybe just talk about kind of what's happening there when you draw artists together. Sorry, that was like four questions in one. I apologize. uh... What I'm going to just pick up on is um, that term kind of group show and just work from there. And I know the sound, I'm being kind of very particular here, but words are quite important to me, even if I, even if it doesn't sound like it always in the way I speak or the way I use them. But to try and articulate what it is about that term that bothers me, it immediately, group exhibition, it immediately refer, which is never really how I think of the shows, um, to be honest. And they are groups, they involve groups of artists, but it immediately refers to that there's either a solo show or group show. And, and I actually see the exhibitions or my interest in exhibition making, I see it as a kind of a form of research. So the focus for me is more around actually finding things that are common across the practices of multiple artists and kind of putting them in a space together. I mean, I'm not going to kind of reprimand anyone for using the term group show. It, it has, it, it is what it is. <laughs> that is what, what, yeah. what we do. I, I uh, as long as I am involved in kind of exhibition making, I'm not really interested in a solo show. I also think that even with a solo show, there's, it's never just the artist. There's like a whole lot of other things that come into that. There's kind of the space and the kind of identity of the space. There's mm-hmm. multiple people who are helping that artist. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't really enjoy that terminology. Um, and that those are the only options for kind of, they're quite boring ways of looking at kind of exhibition making, I think. Would you identify with like the term workshopping or... Yeah, and, and again, thinking of, um, you very sweetly said that I seamlessly curate. <laughs> I actually am trying my best to avoid a seamless curation. Um, it's quite hard. I think these things are like inbuilt that you want to, you know, my eye and, and, and the way that I work, I'm trained to make a space kind of immaculate as if it's possible to kind of remove all references from a space. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to do what I can to make the space of exhibition a little bit less tidy and that's sometimes by saying to I try to encourage artists who participate to change the work if they want to you know come in and switch it around like we can move it around the exhibition can constantly change you can put things up you can take things down get involved in the curation of the show um so that it isn't seamless so that Mm. it actually you see the seams um but that's easier said than done and also you have to not be too hard on your audience, you know, and um, people also are, are accustomed to seeing things in a particular way. And if you go yes. too far out of that too soon, again, you throw, you throw people out, they lose interest. So trying to find a balance there and yeah, experiment yeah. and try and stay interested. Yeah, just the kind of starting of Gallery Gallery, how that happened and okay, what your, yes. I mean, we've kind of heard what your intention is, but maybe if there's like a more, you know, like a mission statement. Yes. Okay. So there is. Yes. And I've written it <laughs> one sentence. I told you my stru- my structured my structured side is my no, my founding of a nonprofit is coming out like what is your mission statement? No, it's it's important and uh and I and I do yeah, there is one for Gallery Gallery which is I should know off by heart but I know I use the word template and I do keep coming back to that. But yeah, the sort of aim of Gallery Gallery is 
to create a template for artists, writers, and curators. I think the words I use are movable and shifting, something like that, to create a, a template for exhibition. So the thinking behind that is ultimately what I want for Gallery Gallery. And this comes from, again, going back to kind of getting kind of a little bit frustrated with the very static nature of um, exhibiting in South Africa and going away and trying to find different ways of, of doing things. So thinking of Gallery Gallery as a template, that comes from not wanting to confine the gallery to a physical space. So ultimately, I would like to create a kind of a network of artists, um, or network of support, where that isn't confined to a single physical space. So where projects are conceived and the space for those projects is determined according to the projects. So whatever project it might be, lend it might lend itself to a book or publication rather than a gallery space or possibly to a bathroom. There is actually a project where I think it was called the, the WC Gallery, um, where a guy, he, he, he made his bathroom into, into a gallery, I think for a few years and then uh, and had different exhibitions in there and made a sort of publication on it. Anyway, so essentially that the, the project comes first and then you find a space that suits that. Um, and along with that, that you are not, you don't have to pay rent every month on a space and that you don't have to commit to a rolling calendar of exhibitions. Yeah, that's ultimately where I want Gallery Gallery to go and that it's always collaborative, that uh, it's always more than one person uh, working on the project in mm. some way, which is the case mostly anyway, but kind of more openly so, more kind of celebrating that aspect of art making and exhibition making. The one thing that I didn't really mention is that the gallery isn't, it's not just a gallery. We have residencies, we have film screenings, um, workshops for children and for adults. And more than that, I'm kind of trying to open it up to as many different kinds of events and interactions as possible. So yeah, I hope to collaborate with, with different spaces as well. Hoping to collaborate possibly with pool space, I think on the tool library, that's where we're hoping to work on that together. And also with the bioscope, if we ever get back to normal. Because they're supposed to be moving to 44 Stanley, so. Yes, yeah. So we hope that happens. Yeah, I hope, yeah, mm. I hope so. And, and I think it will. And so, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a static space. We, I'm hoping that we can do as many different things in there as we can think of, really. Anyway, so, sorry, where, where it, it came to be in 44 Stanley at the space called the gallery is that I came back from Glasgow, didn't really know what to do or, you know, didn't really have a clear plan for what I was going to do in Johannesburg. I just knew I wanted to be in Johannesburg and explore some of these ideas I'd uh, researched. And I met up with uh, some friends of mine, um, Fiona Paul, who's an artist, and Didier Press, who is a framer. Um, and they, you know, expressed that they were interested in opening or, or transforming their space, the Atelier, into or extending it into a gallery space. I, I've never really had an interest in running a gallery. I have been involved in it in different ways, but I knew that I had this idea that I wanted to kind of incubate. So I, yeah, so we decided that I would run the space for them, get it going, and at the same time use it to incubate these ideas that I have for Gallery Gallery. So that's where the confusing difference in names comes from. Gallery <laughs> Gallery is that project. Gallery. That kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and I suppose ultimately Gallery Gallery will move into something that doesn't actually exist <laughs> or is uh, again like a sort of template that I can apply to different projects um, and move through different spaces and different forms and then the gallery will go on as as a physical gallery space. That sounds really exciting, excited to see where, where the future projects go. 
In terms of the artists that you choose to work with, there's a definite highly conceptual element in, in all of their practices. I, I was just interested in the kinds of artists that you choose to work with. Do you approach people? Do they approach you to work with you? How does it work? So each of the shows that we've put together is, have been, uh, it's, it's never just been me curating. It's always, I always work with someone else. One of the benefits of doing that is that the exhibition is opened up to a completely different network. And yeah, I'm really, I'm not interested in just filling a space with things that I like or things that I'm interested in. Again, I'm trying to pick up on like things that are common to a group of artists working in a particular space or country, um, which is obviously in South Africa, Johannesburg. So yeah, in I suppose with our first exhibition, with, which was Rocks, I was feeling at that point, I didn't really know what, I, what gallery gallery was or the gallery or didn't really know what I was doing and, and thought, well, I don't think I can do this on my own and uh, called up a friend of mine, Matty Root, who has produced exhibitions uh, before in a sort of similarly open way. She had a project called Bazaar. She's also an artist and has worked as a curator. And I asked her if she wanted to put together this exhibition about rocks, which we then called Rocks. Uh, <laughs> and quite a few of those artists were either people who were known to me or people whose practices I knew of. And then Matty brought a whole different group of people in there who, whose practices I weren't familiar with. And the thing is that when you start talking to people about things, which I do, I sort of have to sound everyone out on what I'm doing, is people say, oh, have you heard of this artist? Or even some of the artists we spoke to said, have you heard, you know, maybe you should ask this person. So again, and that's how these, how I often end up with a lot more artists than I should have in that small space <laughs> Yeah, is, um, is through that, that, that happening quite organically. And I, I find it quite hard again, because I want to, with most of the shows kind of take an idea, kind of let it loose and then take everything that comes and lay it out. That's kind of how I see the exhibition making process in, in that space. It's, it's more interesting to me or more challenging when you are faced with a lot of things um, and then kind of reducing it and kind of finding the commonalities there. And potentially if there is too much work like we have with our current show, I think lockdown meant that we never actually got to experience this, but I'm sure there's far too much work uh, there <laughs> than we get in the space. Um, <laughs> so, and that was a sort of challenge that I was look, quite looking forward to taking on. So for proxies, your current exhibition, is it not actually up in the gallery? No, like you didn't know. get it up no. before lockdown? Okay. No, we, it was kind of quite tight with framing. And at the very last minute, the, sh the shutdown was announced. We were unable to, to put it up. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, the thinking behind that show was actually to, there are three curators involved, including myself. There's uh, Nabia Mohammed, um, who's also an artist, and she's also in the show. And Kundai Moyo, who's actually running the gallery with me now. So again, that thinking of kind of different people bringing different artists in and people I don't know and practices I don't know. Yeah, and, and, and it's been quite amazing just as the gallery has been around for longer or developed, the bigger that kind of circle grows. So in the last show, I worked with a group of artists, most of whom I hadn't met six months ago um, or, or didn't know of. Um, and that's a real pleasure for me to be sitting with names and work that is totally new to me is, is incredibly stimulating, particularly in quite a small scene. So in terms of the art scene, uh, for someone who lived in Glasgow for four years or so, and being back in Joburg, can you maybe describe the difference between the two places or the similarities? The differences between the art scenes and the various, in the, those two places those differences are why I moved there, actually. I mean, I'd, I'd never been to Scotland before. 
I didn't, the only information I had was from what I'd kind of read about the place. I, I knew very few people who'd even gone to Glasgow before. And lots of people said, well, you know, you must mean Edinburgh. Um, <laughs> and, and I said, no. I've actually been to <laughs> Glasgow very, very randomly. Well, there you go. Great. <laughs> I went to the um, National Gallery. It was nice. Okay, yeah. It's got some incredible galleries and incredible spaces in it. It's also, it is a very small city. So in terms of a small scene, the scene is small there too. It's three years was enough to see the edges of it. So, but yeah, as I said, I kind of moved over because the fact that I, I sort of mentioned before, it's, it's very well known for a culture of kind of artist-run spaces, spaces that are independent to some, some degree. They're not private or commercial spaces. They are run by artists and they use various methods to keep them going. Um, one of the very famous ones is Trans mission is a gallery space that I think has been around for over a decade I think like 15 years or something I'm not entirely sure maybe even longer and uh, it was started by a group of artists and it is run by artists if you are an artist and you're working in Glasgow you can become a member of it and you can pay a 10 pound membership fee uh, and if you don't have 10 pounds that's for a year if you don't have 10 pounds you can work a shift in the gallery invigilating so that's that's like one small kind of uh, mechanism that they have and they do also receive some funding from the government but they have a lot of different ways of keeping themselves going um that are very inspiring and that drew me there and also things like a kind of a tool library is that there's a real culture of starting things that enable artists to make work that don't involve having money or having access to to certain things so yeah it's a very kind of community oriented much more community oriented i would say than than in south africa sorry what is a tool library like a workshop with yeah. tools okay, okay. <laughs> so this is something that's quite uh, key actually because it's one of the things that i'm trying to start here as well a tool library i mean that's just my word for words. there is a thing called the glasgow tool library which was started by a friend of mine a couple of people some of them i don't know Anyway, it is essentially a library of tools. So if you want to make something and the, the, their focus is, is really on woodworking or kind of drills, it's sort of, I suppose it could be sculpturally based or if you want to make furniture, you can become a member of the tool library and you can uh, make, you can use their tools to make what you want to make. You know, if like many artists, you don't necessarily have access to very expensive tools, you can, uh, you can still make work, you can have mm. access to those things. And they also back that up with workshops and tutorials and they kind of have, to have different events teaching people to make things. So I think they called makerspaces here. And I think mm. the Coloured Cube has a makerspace. Yeah. And, and so like something like Vanza also, they have an equipment library. Um, and if you're a member of Vanza, you can have access to, I mean, one of the ways that we were able to have that show that I was talking about earlier, the She Finds Differences show, all that equipment in Vanza, there's no way we would ever have been able to afford showing audiovisual work without Vanza there, without that library. So, yes, I mean, I didn't even know about Vanza, Vanza's equipment you know, up until very recently. I wouldn't I think a lot of people don't necessarily know about these things. Um, and also, you know, what I found with the gallery is that because I have a kind of a network here, if I need big speakers for a film screening or if I need something like, you know, projectors, I have this network that I can draw on. And, and it's not that hard for me to gain access to those things. I have to ask a friend, do a friend a favor, do an artwork exchange, something like that. 
but I think for a lot of artists, um, they don't necessarily have access to that network. So part of what I learned from Glasgow and what I'm wanting to kind of develop here, along with a few other artists and curators, is to develop a kind of a database of all of that equipment that is sitting around, try and kind of centralize it in some way so that people have access to it. So if you want to screen your film, you want to show audiovisual work, you can do it and you don't have to be represented by a gallery that has lots of money or yes. equipment. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Anyway. I'm just thinking, I haven't really addressed your question about Glasgow and Johannesburg. So I think the key difference for me there as an artist is that there's no market in Glasgow. So a lot of artists live there and make their work there because the cost of living is low um, and because there's this kind of very rich culture that isn't commercially driven, um, but then exhibit elsewhere. So either exhibit their work in London or in different commercial centres for art in, around the world, um, but yeah, are based and make their work in Glasgow because of that culture of making um, mm -hmm. and experimenting that's very much a priority there. So it's, it's not happening on the sidelines. It's kind of... And there's a real enthusiasm for people who are trying different things, I found, there that, that I don't see here. So um, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. There's an ambition in the work in, that, I, that I see in South Africa uh, that I think partly comes from the fact that we do have a commercial scene and that the work does sell. Um, there's an ambition in, that that creates in the work that I didn't necessarily see in Glasgow um, because mm. people aren't motivated in the same way. Or so you, you say there's no market, but there's a strong audience. So people are consuming yes, it, but not yeah. financially. Yeah, and an, and, and an enthusiasm in the audience there. So, you know, if you decide you want to have an exhibition... You can have an exhibition in your flat, in your, again, in your bathroom, on, you know, in the corner, and people will come to it. Um, and they, it's not that they're not critical. They'll come and they'll tell you what they think um, and maybe not come again if they didn't like it. But there's an enthusiasm uh, in the audience and among artists to kind of back each other and not turn their noses up if someone isn't represented by a gallery, which I think is a big thing here. Um, and we love to complain, well, when I say we, a lot of artists, I think, like to complain <laughs> that they're not represented or that their gallery isn't paying them or not doing what they want them to do or whatever. But there's so much agency and so much power that actually can come from artists ourselves. And we don't back each other, you know, um, a lot of the time. I, obviously, I've developed incredible support networks here, and I, I know that you have too, Anthea. That's not to say that it's across the board, but I think uh, there's a kind of a snobbery that exists within artists to what we'll open ourselves to and what we'll look, to, we'll look at um, or visit. If, if I just speak for myself, so many of the breaks that I got in exhibiting and in being part of the art scene here came from other artists backing me and putting me forward. And those are, those are things that enabled me to put a roof over my head. I think it only makes it easier, actually, to stay alive as an artist. On that note of keeping artists alive, <laughs> um, I know that you are involved in a project called Art Gazette. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Sure, yeah. So Art Gazette is a company that I consult for. Um, and currently I'm helping them find or create a network of artists in Johannesburg. Essentially, what, what Art Gazette does is they are in the process of developing a catalogue of contemporary artworks that they then sell in kind of collections to the leisure and corporate industry. So to spaces like Workshop 17 or so co-working spaces or to kind of um, boutique hotels or kind of particular clients who are looking for large scale, a large scale kind of contemporary art solution. So what Art Gazette does is they purchase work 
directly from artists in large quantities. And that work is experimental or process work. It's work that necessarily otherwise see the light of day. So it's not, in that sense, it's not competing with work that is destined to be exhibited, to be part of a museum or gallery environment. So what Art Gazette does is they purchase work in, generally they buy at least 10 artworks at a time from an artist and they buy that work. Nothing's on commission. They buy the work up front for prices that are lower than the prices for gallery standard work. Yeah, and, and so artists are paid for that work upfront. And the ideal is that as an artist, you will use that, um, that income and that regular income because ideally Art Gazette buys work consistently from artists, so monthly potentially from, from artists. That, that can then support your more ambitious gallery-oriented work and gallery-oriented practice. So it's, it's, it's potentially, if you find a way to make it work for you, um, which is very important, it's very enabling can enable your your practice as an artist yeah. yeah i mean actually that's it's a nice question to ask i'm quite driven to like projects and deadlines like i like working towards something what is your process are you just a maker that is like constantly making quite organically or do you work towards projects towards deadlines no i think as i as i sort of mentioned before i'm very very slow and the moment I quite often the moment I get an, as an as an this is not in my curatorial practice actually this is exclusively in my practice as an artist the moment I get an opportunity I sort of run in the opposite direction and <laughs> I <laughs> I I've had a commission actually which is a great commission that you know I'm very lucky to have but I've had it for about a year and I just and I really need the money and <laughs> just I've just been totally unable to <laughs> To produce it I, I have sort of produced various things that I've thrown out and um, so yeah my practice as an artist is, is pretty erratic and um, I find it very hard making art I also do yeah and it thank you yeah <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one I mean I'm not glad for you it's so I, I sort of go through <laughs> different phases of accepting that that is just how I am and and I think that's also why I tend to have multiple professions is to try and and, and work through different disciplines actually is when I get too worked up in one medium um, or find that I'm stuck with a work, I shift mediums or I move into a different project or a different profession and it eases that kind of pressure. Um, so that's definitely one of the reasons why I work in so many different ways actually is, is a, it's kind of a displacement activity um, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I completely relate to that, hence starting a podcast. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Chloe. I have really enjoyed talking to you and thank you for the work you're doing with Gallery Gallery. I'm really excited to see the projects that come out of it and, and the exposure to different artists that, you know, that aren't necessarily always seen. And yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, I enjoy the podcast and, um, and the variety in it as well. And it's, it's great to have something like this, particularly in a time of lockdown. We need things to listen to that aren't 702, which uh, unashamedly but uh yeah it's great to have this kind of content thank you so much to chloe for joining me for this episode and to you our listeners for joining us today please follow unframed on facebook and instagram and subscribe on apple music please rate and review as it will help us to get more followers share this episode with your networks and encourage them to follow unframed too Thanks, see you next time, bye.